Okay, um, we're going to look at this passage in three sections, okay? So I'll just put that before you now. We're looking at Philippians 1, 12 to 18a, and we might call this the advance of the gospel in the world, okay? So although it's talking about Paul in prison... He's talking about how the gospel is going forth, okay? Then the second section, we might entitle the advance of the gospel in an individual's heart or an individual heart. So here Paul focuses on himself, what's happening to him now and in the future, uh, and how, what, what's important to him in his heart, and we can learn from that. And then the third area is the advance of the gospel in the church, so this section, he, he turns to Philippians and says, you, whatever happens to you, live worthy of the gospel. Okay. So what has happened to me? What is happening to me? How I make the decisions? And what you guys, how you together will stand for the proclamation of the gospel. So that's where we're going, uh, flagging that up. So the first section, verses 12 to 18a. What has happened to me? This is Paul speaking. He says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. So Paul is in prison, as, as we've heard. But we, we almost need to step a little bit further back just so we understand what's happening. Paul um, went to Philippi he went to a place of prayer. You read about this in Acts 16. And he met a, a woman called Lydia. And, and Paul spoke and the Lord opened Lydia's heart. She became a believer in Christ. He wasn't there many days, okay, but a little church was formed. And there was opposition. He, he, he healed. Um, well, someone had a, a spirit and... and there was a kind of complication, the magistrates got involved, and, and he was put in prison. Paul was put in prison for proclaiming the gospel in Philippi, okay? And the interesting thing was, he was in prison uh, and with Silas, uh, and he was praising God. He, he knew that the gospel was going forth in that city. And God did a remarkable thing. He caused an earthquake to happen. Chains were taken off. The jailer was just absolutely stunned. And he, he was amazed. He said, what is, what is this? Who is this you're talking about? Who is this you're talking about? He said to Paul. And Paul explained very simply. He, said, um, he explained the gospel. He explained that he too, the jailer, could share in God's grace. He too could have God working in his heart until the very end of time. And he became a believer. In fact, the, the authorities said to Paul, you've just got to get going. You've got to get, get away from the city. We don't want you here. So it was, that was the experience that, that Paul had in Philippi. So he had been in prison, and he had been given this deliverance, and he moved on. So you could kind of imagine now, coming back to where we are here, as he writes to Philippi, he's in prison again. And you can kind of think, if you were a Philippian believer, and we don't know how many that there were, um, you would think, okay, yeah, so he's in prison again. When's, gonna, when's God going to deliver him? You know, he's, he's had this almost miraculous deliverance, but here he is, and he's maybe, maybe you've heard he's, he's in there you know, for some time. It's like, what, what's going on? 
What's going on in the world? What about all the complications, all the difficulties that come upon us because we are believers? So that's sort of in the background, what's, what, what's going on as he writes to these people he dearly loves. And he says, firstly, he says, verse 13, actually, you know, don't worry, what has happened, you know, I have been able to speak of Christ throughout the whole palace guard. So somehow, he hasn't just been depressed by a situation, he's spoken about Christ. I am in chains for Christ, he says in verse 13. Don't worry, Philippians. Don't worry about the situation. The important thing is the gospel's advancing. That's what matters to Paul. It's not so much his current experience, his current what's going on in his life. We need to remember that. That's really what matters. That's what God's doing in history. That's something we can share in God's good purpose. And he says, actually, you know, not only am I able to make the gospel known, other people have seen my example, this is verse 14, and have become more confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So the example of somebody who stands for Christ in opposition, in difficulty, actually helps magnify that cause because it's a great example, you know, the fact that he's going to have difficulties and he's still going to talk, that brings other people encouragement. You know, so he's saying, I'm in prison, yeah, but don't worry, the gospel's going forth. And actually other people also are speaking of Christ. The reason he's so excited about that is that that's the only way to be saved. We, we, we all need Christ's work in our heart. We need to understand Christ that we might be... Um, rescued from an empty way of life that we've been handed down and you know what paul also says you know it doesn't really matter why people are talking of christ what what's their motivation if they're doing it for their own egos or if they're doing you know if they're doing out of envy and rivalry verse 15 um and he talks about that um uh, some preach christ out of selfish ambition not sincerely but, you know, even that, if someone's actually proclaiming the gospel of Christ, there is potential for life. What does it matter? The important thing, verse 18, is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And that is basically what life is all about, in one sense. I mean, God's obviously interested in everything. But... We need to learn to have that same heart. He is in change. His current situations he sees in the light of what God is doing. And that causes him great joy. We saw that a bit last time we looked at this passage, uh, last week, the earlier passage. But uh, and look at how it says at the end of the section, because of this, I rejoice. So his, his current situation isn't everything that's in his view. He looks beyond, he sees what God is doing in history, and he rejoices. He's not been delivered from prison, but he's still rejoicing. That's quite a challenge to us. What is important to you, really? What is important to us, 
as a community. What really is important is it that Christ's work is continuing and his, God, his truth is, in, is impacting people's lives in wherever it happens. It doesn't have to be in this church. That's not the point. The point is that the gospel is preached and people come to life. And, and you know, this passage is like open heart surgery, I think. You know, it's like, whoo, challenging. This, this is the kind of attitudes we are to have. This is what Paul has. That's why he's joyful. His situations haven't clouded that out. Um, and this really uh, is, is what it means to discern what is best. He said that. He prays for the Philippians that they might discern what is best. So see life from God's perspective. And here he's sort of showing himself as an example of discerning what is best. We're to expect opposition. You know, he's in prison. And he, he's, he's, you know, he's... He's learning to not fear. You know, he's not kind of super out there in one sense. It's like, this is something we can learn from. And let's, let's just think back a bit. We live in the most amazing period of history. We ourselves are seeing the gospel advancing. On whatever level you look. I mean, look in this city. Even in the, short, the time that I've lived in Oxford, the number of churches that have grown, people have come to life. Uh, you look in the world, all the different countries where the gospel is advancing. We can rejoice. God's grace is reaching more and more people. And because of this, we can rejoice. <clears throat> so we need to see, learn to see beyond the specifics of life in one sense to that great mission of God. Uh, the gospel is advancing. And just the same today, people are put in prison for that. You can read open doors literature. You can, you can. Um, there's so you know. This is the way God seems to work through opposition, through suffering. The gospel goes out. It's not the only way. The Philippians aren't in prison. Paul is, but it's just the same today. We, you know, we're not in prison now. The point is, the gospel is advancing. That's the point. But it is often in in great opposition and trial that people say the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. We're called to pray for, the, pray for our brothers and sisters in prison. That's something as well. But we can also rejoice. God is on the throne. He's doing his good work. In Cambodia, in China, da-da, 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 in Oxford. Okay, second section. Paul is now looking ahead to the future, his immediate uh, future. Um, so I think, yeah, what's, what's going to happen to him? What's going to happen to Paul? Okay, I'm going to continue to rejoice. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't quite know what's happened. Remember, he's on death row, potentially, here. He is about to be martyred, possibly. He may not get out of prison. But he doesn't know at this point. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. That's quite a weight on his mind, perhaps. And he says, actually, I need help. <laughs> I can't do this on my own. I need your prayers, Philippians. I need your prayers, verse 19. I need the help of God's Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus Christ. 
And the same too. This is why we can pray for our brothers and sisters in that situation. That's why we should pray for each other. Because we need help. We we don't see life from this perspective easily. We need the Lord's help. As Paul has prayed for the Philippians, we need to pray for one another. And he says, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance, for my salvation. You know, whatever happens. If If I'm executed, I will be with the Lord. If not, I will have been delivered in that way. Win win situation. You can say that in prison. Who else can say things like this? And then he says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed. I will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. He's saying this is not automatic. You know, I am tempted to be ashamed. I need courage. I need your prayers. I want Christ to be exalted. That's my heart. And this, this temptation to shame runs through each of the three sections that we're looking at. Remember, the other brothers have become more confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel, verse 14. And we'll see it in the next section as well. So Paul, in his, what's happening to him now is he's in need of help to proclaim to have this perspective, to proclaim that Christ will be exalted in his body, whatever happens. And he sums it up. For me, I'm living for Christ. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Yeah, if I'm given life, I will live for Christ. If I die, well, I'm with the Lord. Gain. That's what he's saying. And you know what? The way very often in in our culture we are taught to live and we very often live ourselves could be summarized in this way. For me to live is me. That's why I live. For my priorities, what I'm wanting to do in life. And then we might go on to say, and to die is a pain. It's end. You know, I can't do what I wanted to do. I haven't set out. You know, that, that's the way we're, we're kind of taught to think. And that is not the way Christ calls us to think and to live. We're to live for Christ. So that's a battle. Every day we get up for me to live as Christ. It's his world. It's his priorities that must shape us. They really must. And for us as a church community. So so in verse 22 to 26, you might call it a window into Paul's heart. So here we kind of focus in, we narrow down to what Paul is thinking, how he views life himself. Uh, So this is how he ticks, how his mind works, how he ticks, as it were. And uh, let's just let's read it through. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labour for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. You know, no prison, no persecutions, no difficulties. With my Lord, he saved me. I can really, I'm actually in his presence. I, I walk by sight, not faith anymore. 
But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. If we are to stand for Christ ourselves as individuals and as a community, frankly, it's impossible without Christ, but it's also impossible if we do not have this sort of thing operating in our hearts and we're cultivating that and we're learning. At root bottom, I desire to be with Christ. If that's not our heartbeat, we won't stand really for Christ. That's a challenge to all of us. Why are we living? It's worth thinking about. What does it mean to really be a believer? And, and so Paul, Paul really does passionately want that. But actually, ironically, or you know, kind of paradoxically, because he wants that so much, he just wants to serve Christ now, here, in this life. I will remain, you know. Actually, if, I, if I'm not martyred, I will stay, I will, I will work for your progress and joy in the faith. So he has a mission. He has an outlook on life which is radically different than it could be. He's not complaining about his chains. He's writing to them. He's explaining what's going on. He's working for people's progress and joy in the faith. And that's exactly the same for us. How has God gifted you? How are you made? How can you work for someone's progress and joy in the faith? How can we do that together for people who do not know Christ, for ourselves. How can we encourage each other to progress and find joy, to understand these things? The Lord will guide you, but you know we need to pray for each other in this. That's helping someone progress as we ask God for his help. Um, and that's what life's all about. In one, sense, you know, one, as- one major aspect of life is helping each other grow. Yeah, one, one thing just to note in verse 22. Life will mean fruitful labour for me. Fruitful labour. And I think we tend to sometimes think this sort of message is all about doing extra things, which it may well be, things that are of God. But, but if you just went back across there, you would, you would see an apple tree in that little bit behind the school. And at the moment, the apples are about that big. Okay? And they will end up being, I don't know, that big. And go back a few months and they look dead. <laughs> you know, fruitful labour is when you're in, in, in Christ and he, he, he makes us fruitful. And it doesn't always look like it. We are being fruitful. Okay, so that's, that's an encouragement. It's not due to us. But then again, he says it's labour. It is hard work. We have a, place, a part to play in this. If we're to live, we are to be called to work for people's progress and join the faith. And that is fruitful labour. I just, I just actually want to tell you a little incident from my own life uh, that this passage really, really helped and really impacted my life. And God's word does that. We need to keep in God's word. So um, a number of you know I I have periods where I'm pretty low and um, life is very difficult in different ways. You may have read of Stephen Fry, uh, a recent suicide attempt last year. 
uh, he spoke of this week. And I have some of the similar uh, challenges uh, myself, maybe in different ways. One day, not far from here, um, none of you, I didn't know any of you at the time, uh, I was really bleak, in a really bleak situation. My mind was just dragging me down. And I, I, there's, a, there's a lovely bridge near here, and I, I went to this bridge. Uh, just, well, I went over this bridge because I was going, for, going to go for a walk. And normally you go over this bridge and you think, what a beautiful view, what a beautiful view. But if you're in that sort of situation that I was in, you, kind of, you can't really see that. You can't really see easily the good things in life. And, and your mind, I just I remember thinking, you know, bridge, okay, that's why people jump, you know. And I was pretty in a bleak way. I, I don't, you know, but God, the Lord really used this passage in my life. I was reminded of it. And I remember actually, you know, Paul said, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. To die is gain. That's a positive thing. And you might say, oh, hang on, hang on, Tom. Why are you thinking about that in that situation? That's probably not a very good thing to think about. To die is gain. But actually, you know, I knew the passage. I knew how it went. I'm torn between the two. I desire to be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. And I don't know, somehow God, people have been praying for me. You know, it was like... I'm going to cope with some of the difficulties that we all have, you know, in life, and just seek somehow to to help other believers. And so God really used that this passage in my life, which is an amazing thing. And I've not always had those priorities, and and but I'm, that's what what I'm aiming for, and that's the same for all of us. This passage is not for just for extreme situations. This is everyday passage. For me to live is Christ. But we do have to have that dynamic. We really want to be with Christ. If we've understood something of what God has done in our lives, we will want that. Um, We must move on. But maybe in the week, actually, think about how God has used people in prison. Bunyan, that's what he thought about. The Pilgrim's Progress wrote it down. You know, he, his life, Bunyan's life, was, was radically transformed by Christ because he wanted to do what Christ did. He had courage, he stood, he ended up being chucked in jail just up the road in Bedford. When he got out of prison, uh, just down the road, that whichever way it is, he was in, he was, one time he was going to, from Reading to London to, stop, to sort out a disagreement between a father and son. He was working for the progress of the gospel when he got out of prison. And he died before he got to London. He lived his life for Christ. These are examples uh, for us. So read about things. Read about how God is still doing uh, this work. The third section. So now, over to you, Philippians. You know, the way I'm living, that's the way, that's the model for you. Be worthy of the gospel of Christ, verse 27. Whatever happens... I don't know what's going to happen in your life, Philippians. I don't know if, the God, if it's going to be harder for you in, in your life or if it's easier. I don't know that. There are certain things in the future that I just don't know. But there are also things that I am sure of. Whether Paul goes to Philippi or not, he doesn't know. 
whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence. You know, that's not the point. The point is to stand worthy of Christ. I don't know what, what you know, we, none of us know what, how we as a community, what we will face or as individuals, what this week will bring, what this day will bring. But our call, like Paul, is to live worthy of this marvellous gospel that we have been given, that we've been entrusted of. This is not just for prisons. This is everyday life. What does it mean uh, to live in a way worthy of the gospel of Christ? Many things could be said here, but the things Paul specifically brings out are, are these. You're in, it, you're in it together. Notice this. Stand firm in one spirit. Contend as one man for the faith of the gospel. God has so ordained it that we can't do this on our own. We are a community who need each other to stand for Christ. We all have different um, gifts and abilities, and, but we need to do it together. And you know, he says, there will be plenty of opportunity to be frightened. <laughs> you know, you think of in the, in the workplace, in, in, in families, ostracism, or, or whatever it is. There will be opposition. Just as there was for Paul, there will be for the church. If we're living for Christ... We are courageous. There will be opposition. What do we do with that? Do we run away? No, we, we learn to not be frightened. And he, and he goes on to explain. Not be frightened. Frightened, the word frightened, basically the image is an uncontrollable stampede of startled horses, apparently. <laughs> and that's, not what that's what we're not to be. <laughs> so he says, don't be like that. And again, we need to pray for one another that we would, we would do that individually and corporately. This is not a popular time in, in, in the history of this country to stand for Christ and say, yes, Christ is the only way to God. We're not backing down on that. Okay, so then he looks at what's going on in suffering. Okay, we've got this opposition. Opposition is guaranteed in some way. What is going on? Suffering is a sign. That's the first thing he says, verse 28. This is a sign. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved. And that by God, not by what you do, by God, you'll be saved. Okay, so the fact that as we stand for Christ, there will be opposition. We see something of the the demarcation of what God is doing in history. Those who oppose him, uh, oppose, uh, oppose the church, are opposing God. And it's a fearful thing to read this. Those who oppose God will be destroyed. So as we stand, as we suffer, we are being, we're a, testimony it's a remarkable thing and and just just note that paul himself persecuted the church and yet god rescued him it's not not a you know but be warned if you're opposing the work of god you will be destroyed unless you turn to christ you can be saved by god by his power we need to stand together It's a privilege, it's a badge of honour. Blessed are you, says Jesus, when you're persecuted because of righteousness. We're in this together, we're in good company, 
We're simply following out the pattern of Christ, how he lived. He lived for others' progress and joy in the faith. And that led him to the cross. The next passage is basically looking at the example of Christ. So Paul has talked about um, the gospel's gone forth. He's talked about his inner uh, heartbeat, uh, without which you won't stand. Without, we need each other's prayers. And he's basically, he's just following Christ. That is what it means to be, be a believer. Together, in the context of suffering, we can rejoice. The gospel is going forward.